Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Popcorn World. today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game or the next big moment, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book expert. And tell them the noise makers. You're now listening to the lead in the ACC. I wish we could say we were here under better circumstances, uh, but tonight is going to be a good night. Now, it's going to be a good night because we're going to celebrate uh, a great man, but uh, we have to celebrate him in transition, unfortunately. But we got a good group of people to do it with. I'm excited. Charlie's here. And, Charlie, I'm going to let you introduce everybody because these are, this is like a family reunion for you. So. Uh, <laughs> so take it away, brother. Uh, well, I'm definitely grateful uh, that I have uh, two Seminoles just in different uh, ways. Uh, one was, uh, but they're both connected to Coach Bowden. Uh, Miss Sue Hall, who's down there below me. And then you have <laughs> Mr. Danny Cannell, who is diagonal <laughs> to me. <laughs> Uh, who was uh, okay. Hi, in, the, in the quarterback room uh, with me as well. And uh, they're joining us tonight to uh, share some memories of uh, Coach Bowden. Uh, Miss Sue was Coach Bowden's right hand and left hand <laughs> and right foot and left foot <laughs> and everything. And, you know, he, she, he relied on her a lot. And uh, she, was, uh, she was a great assistant. And uh, we're definitely grateful for her. She was everyone's, uh, I call them, village moms. So she was like Coach Bowden's village yeah. dad. Wow. She was the village mom to all of us. And um, everyone knows Miss Sue. And, of course, we know Danny Canal. He's a morning show guy on, um, what, what is it, Danny? We are on ESPNU Radio, Dusty and Danny show. Just yeah. Oh, you got rid of McElroy? <laughs> Yeah, too much SEC. <laughs> oh, come on, man. 
SEC taking everybody. Exactly. <laughs> it's great to be here, man. But we appreciate you all being on uh, our podcast. Of course, that is Lloyd. I love it. You got to go the opposite way of your instincts. I've learned that about this show. You got to go the opposite way of your instincts here. Lloyd Spence, a.k.a. Mr. Noise. Yes. He's our... Uh, he's my co-host, and um, so we have a good time chopping it up. So tonight we're going to celebrate Coach Bowden. Um, as we know, he transitioned um, and earned his wings on, was it yesterday? I mean, it, it, it seems like Sunday, it seems like it just happened. Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah. Better day, yeah. Sunday so, morning. Wow. It seems like it happened longer, but mm. it's been yeah. shorter. I mean, it's been yeah. a long, long day. Um but we appreciate you guys having uh, jumping on, uh, Miss Sue. Uh, I ask you the first question. Yes. What? Uh, no, uh, I got this question a lot today. Like, what did Coach Bowden mean uh, to you? So I just want to ask you that same question. What did Coach Bowden mean to you? Oh, Charlie. <laughs> You know, uh, knowing him forty-three years, it's uh, hard to put your finger on it, but. Uh, just starting back when I first started working for him, and this is where he was. He said, Sue, I'm looking for a mama for my team because I'm their dad. So daddy is what he called himself, and so that's what he's always portrayed to me, the dad for his team, loving his players, trying to make sure they, well, you know how he was, making sure everybody was right with God. <laughs> Include me. He used to get off the beach for the same reasons. But what a pleasure to work with a gentleman. And, you know, just all the many things that he did that make you respect him as a coach and a family man and a Christian. And, uh, you know, as you and I talk, we know where he is. He's with his heavenly father. And if you think about it, he died at 5.08 Sunday morning. Check out Matthew 5.8. See what it says. Oh, wow. 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 Yeah. Uh, yes. Miss Sue, I have to ask you. I thought, because sometimes, you know, in transition of these, these uh, this new norm we have of doing these Zoom type of broadcast, I thought I heard him say 43 years. Is that correct? Well, I worked for him at the football office uh, 23 years. And then I have uh, recently, well, once he got COVID, they asked me to come back and help the family. I've known them all for 43 for years. 43 years, So I've wow. been working with the family since October. Yeah, I take he and Ann to all their doctor's appointments, uh, see that you know, their household bills are paid and things are handled. And so, uh, you know, you feel like your family there with Oh, them. yeah, and, sure, uh, sure. And sure. Coach Bowden has been so pleasant during his sickness. But one thing, talking about his faith, Charlie, when I would sit with him sometimes and you could just see pain in his face, and, you know, you could tell he was in pain. And I'd say, Coach, you want me to read the word to you? And he'd say, yes. So I would start reading the Bible. And within a little bit, his total face would relax. He would relax. So you wow. know what? He he knew where he was. And, and he just, you know, he loved having the Bible read to him. So that was a little my contribution to help him get through some of the bad days. Wow. It's, um, that, you know, what a great man he is. And, uh, well, you, you say it's little, so, uh, but it sounds like that's a big contribution uh, <laughs> to, you know, what he was going through. Um, and, and I think that's that, that, that definitely exemplifies what Coach Bowden was all about. Um, you know, he did the exactly. little things for others as well. And, you know, people just want to be able to be there to help him and support him. Uh, because he did a lot of things for a lot of people. And uh, Danny, just to, you know, ask you, um, you know, when you were being recruited to Florida State, uh, I know when I was being recruited, Coach Bowden told me that I was going to have to be patient because there's guys in front of me and all of that. 
I was just, I'm just curious to know what did Coach Brown tell you when you were being recruited to come to Florida State? He definitely, he said, hey, we got this kid on our roster who's going to be special, so you better not get ready to play anytime soon because he knew you were going to be special. But he did. That was the same process. It was the honesty was there to say we're at a place where our starting quarterbacks typically get two years to start. Same thing. So he said, you can come. He said, you could redshirt and then you could play, you know, sit behind whoever it was you. Penny Felder was on the roster. He said, you'd probably sit behind one of those guys. And then after, you know, a couple years, maybe three years, then you'll have your opportunity. So he was there. But just to echo what Miss Sue said and what the, you know, the art, the overarching kind of legacy of Coach Bowden is one of faith. And from the moment he started to recruit me, he was preaching to me and my family. And I came from a Christian home where that was important to my parents. And when I remember when he came to our house and he ate dinner in our living room and my mom cooked for him and he was as cordial and nice and he was talking about taking me under his wing. When he left that night, we were like, wait a second. This is this is too good to be true, right? Like this can't be real. And you almost like and in and when you're getting recruited, everyone has a sales pitch. So you're kind of a little bit like, let me see if this is real. Then I go on my recruiting trip and I ask the players. And you can tell the respect is there and the adoration. They're like, no, that's who Coach Bowden is. And then of course, as I experienced it as a player, then you start to see. That was that beginning recruiting meeting was just a glimpse of how special Coach Bowden is, and man, did he exceed, you know, every expectation that we had of going to Florida State, and he's ingrained in me values that I use to this day. Wow. Well, first of all, Dan, let me just say, uh, while I know uh, Miss Sue and Charlie are repping your uh, Florida State days. Uh, I just wanted to make you feel incredibly comfortable with my New York Giants hat. <laughs> I, <just laughs> I love it. And I will always love you for that, my brother. So I appreciate you. I, I want to know what is it like to sit in a room as a player with and hear a speech from, from a game day coach Bobby Bowden? What is that like? This is for, all, this is for both of you, actually. Oh, this is great. And I, I'll be curious to hear what Charlie says. It was Coach Bowden was more preacher than coach. I mean, it was that when he had a priorities and he would preach to us faith first, family second, football third. Wow. And again, a lot of coaches may say that, but if there's, you know, a game or, you know, a really big game coming out, they might say, well, let's, you can go to church in the offseason. You know, your coaches, you can go visit your families in the offseason. Coach Bowden was constantly preaching and putting his faith first, putting, letting us put our families first and his coaching staff's families first. And then football came last, and that was the priority. And it resonated so much so that the night before every game, when typically most coaches are going over details of the game plan and trying to get you fired up, all things we did, yeah. but those were on the back burner. The very first thing that we heard at every team meeting the Friday night before the game was the gospel message. He'd have a verse. He would have an inspirational story. And he would ask every player in there, hey, you guys need to know what happens if you die tonight. And he would tell us the God. He said, and if you don't, you need to come ask me or you need to ask Clint Purvis. And we need to make sure you're right with God and you've accepted Jesus. And he would give us the gospel. That was before every single game. Like you would get that before it. So the, you know, the fiery speeches, kind of the routine, the pregame. I remember some of the mantras he had where, you know, at halftime, if we had the lead, he would say, well, the defense, if you don't let us, if you don't let them score, we can't lose. So we always heard that one. Uh, you know, seniors, seniors can't let us lose. Like he had mantras yeah. repeated all the time, but they became so ingrained in you yeah. that they just resonated throughout so that you knew what he was going to say. If you took care of your business, yeah. the rest would take care of itself. Yeah. Wow. Uh, all wow. those things, all those things Danny mentioned are true. I, I, I co-sign on that. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I enjoyed, you know, in his speeches he was always uh, coaching in his speeches. So he would tell the defensive line, you need to get after the passer. We need to hit the quarterback. He would tell the, the lineman, you need to protect the quarterback. 
Uh, I tell the wide receivers, we need some great catches. Uh, DBs, we need you to guard your guy, get those interceptions. And so he just kept going down the line with all the different positions, telling them what we need for them. And that was like his pregame speech. And even in halftime, it was the same thing. So that's the way he coached. That's the way he, uh, you know, gave his messages to to the team. And, um, and of course, during practice, I don't know if Danny remember this, we used to have our uh, Gatorade. I'm sorry, we didn't do Gatorade. We did Powerade. Uh, we used to go get our Powerade breaks, and we go sit underneath the tree. <laughs> yep. And uh, he would give – his, his analysis of what practice was looking like at that time and what we were getting ready to do. And uh, then we would go uh, finish practice. So wow. he had a lot of things, as as Miss Sue can attest, he had a lot of things that were routine because she probably printed up the uh, the, the uh, schedules. Um, and Absolutely. I'm just curious to know, yes. Miss Sue, uh, I heard, I think, I forgot who it was that wrote his book, um, mentioned something about he had a binder full of his pregame speeches. Uh, did you he have anything to do with that? Sure. Yeah, he did. I mean, he, he, you know, he had a little piece of paper, and I'd type on there just a few words. It's amazing how he could remember the whole whatever he wanted just from those few words about the speeches he was going to make but uh you know Lamar asked me about I mean, you know locker room of course I, I mean you know the pre-game I, I was never in that what I did Lamar when coach would give me that game plan on a Thursday you know I'd always tweak it a little bit that's the reason we won so many games after I came there you understand that now, don't you I do I see the secret sauce now I get it now I get it yeah that's amazing that's yeah. amazing. When when you when know, you're in this is a yeah yeah this this is really fascinating. This is really fascinating. When you're in a room like that and you're in an experience like that, that's got to be hard to go to the next thing and see something completely different. Like Danny Charlie, you played in New York. Surely that's not how it was in New York. <laughs> So how did how was that transition for you, and how did Coach Biden Bowden play a part in the transition of your next career? Well, it was tough for me um, because Coach Bowden didn't really allow the coaches to curse. Um, that was one of the things that he and if they did curse too much, they had to put money in the jar, and they got called called to the office just like the players did. <laughs> So, uh, you yes. know, it's that whole deal. So I, I had to get used to that part, you know, just where it was like all over the place. Um, the other stuff I, I could work with, but just the cursing was definitely something I had to get used to. Uh, but just him being able to put us in a culture where a uh, competition, you know, don't be afraid of competition uh, because you had to have it. I mean, if you're going to play, you had to compete and uh, be prepared and ready uh, for that piece of it. Um, and secondly, you know, being a great teammate. Um, you know, like Danny talked about, we all had to wait. Um, and wait while we were waiting, we were preparing for our opportunity. And when the opportunity came, uh, we had to go out and do the best that we can. And so just those two things alone definitely helped me with my transition uh, to the NBA. I would say the same say thing. Would, Charlie. Yeah, he it was yeah. more of the and Charlie was talking about some of the repetition and some of the kind of routines that you had at Florida State that I was able to carry with me to the next level. And just like Charlie, I people are my teammates were blown away when I played in the NFL and I would tell them I never heard Coach Bowden say anything worse than Dad Gummit. And they were like, wait, yeah, when he was really angry. You know, he was really angry. If you threw like a pick six, they would he would curse you then. I'm like, no, he didn't have to. Like he just and he there was always, and that was one of the reasons, again, another reason why I went to Florida State was the coaching style was always teaching, always encouraging, always never berating or you know, the kind of the, some of the old school football coaches may 
you know, try to implement, it was always a teaching atmosphere with Coach Bowden. Yeah, see, I've never played for a coach that didn't curse. So I, I, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> for, okay, so this is this is incredibly fascinating to me. I, so, Mr., you'll be able to speak to this, and then you guys can jump in as well. When you created a culture well, like Charlie, that. When Charlie <laughs> said something about that cussing and paying the dollar, we had a cuss jar. And when they filled it up with dollars, we'd go buy pizza with it. But it didn't get filled up that often. But oh. a pleasure to be in an atmosphere where you didn't hear cussing as a, a woman's point of view. And after he left, I had to live too. I could handle it. <laughs> That's a great point. That is a great point. You know what? Wow. It, it is. And, you know, he was so worried about everybody's salvation. But He's also worried about his character. And Danny, I'm sure you and Charlie have heard this. Guys, when you die, he said, people aren't going to remember how many touchdowns you threw or how many catches or how many tackles. They're going to remember your character. So wow. take care of your character. And that was always. And he believed, you know, he had beautiful signature. He said, let people know you're proud of your name. Sign your name instead of that little scratching that they used to do. He said, sign your name so people can read it. Be proud of your name. So he was always teaching in ways like that. But wow. you know, even when you guys started wearing earrings, he came in one day, he said, Sue, do you have any earrings at your house that, that just you know, put on ears? And I said, yes, yeah. so I brought earrings in. Were, one of you, were either y'all that when he went out to practice one day with earrings on? <laughs> that, you know, when kids were beginning to wear earrings and you know and do y'all remember the ponytail when he, kids were letting their hair grow and he had the cap with the long ponytail were y'all there no miss that time <laughs> wow wow yeah well i was just gonna I ask it's funny you asked it's funny you said that because i was gonna ask all three of you how hard was it for people to adjust to that culture? Because that's a very specific culture to be in. And it's great if you can adjust to it. But, you know, kids come from so many different backgrounds. How hard was it for them to adjust? And even employees and coaches. How hard was it for everybody to adjust to that, that culture? Well, Coach Bowden seemed to adjust with the times I thought, didn't you guys? I mean, he tried to oh, yeah. stay up with all that but um you, you know, know what you know i, mean, I think he like computers and things yeah you know why i think he so successfully implemented that culture because why he set the example he set the standard yeah. it would be one thing if he was asking his players and coaches not to curse if he was out cursing right you know, and i think everyone looked at him was like all right if he can do it and be Coach Bowden and run this program and built it from where it was, then then we can do it. And it was out of respect towards him, and he did it out of respect for his faith. And I also yes. think the like we hear that term culture all the time, where you have you know coaches take a new job and they have to turn the culture around, or you know a team has a healthy culture. We had such an environment that was a family environment. There was one of love and putting the team first. And and it and it came from the seniors. You know, he gave the seniors the you know the leadership so that they would. Coaches didn't even have to tell the young players not to curse or not to act out because the seniors would say, "Hey, that doesn't happen here." And then it kind of carries over. And then when those freshmen get older, they teach the new class, and it kind of comes like uh, again that tribe atmosphere where you have family all picking each other up. Wow. Yeah, he, he definitely um, exemplified, you know, the humility. And when we talk about uh, making adjustments and changing, um, I, my, my junior year, uh, we changed the entire offense. Um, I grew yes, up I grew up with the eye formation and split backs, you know, underneath the center. Um, and my junior year, we, we totally just nixed that whole thing. Um, and we went to a one-back uh, type of offense, more pro-style um, offense, uh, where we're doing some bootlegs and rollouts and, you know, those type zone, inside zone, outside zone. 
uh, all of those types of plays. And yeah, he, he used to have, he used to be able to call the plays. Well, they went out and got a whole new offense and he really didn't know the offense. So he was like, Hey, y'all take it. Uh, y'all take it and do whatever we need to do. I just want to be successful. And he held the coaches accountable, but that just to me, show the type of humility because he had been successful with that offense for a long time. And for him to just say, Hey, we're going to go and find something. Y'all go find something that could, that's better suited for the talent that we have. Let's go and make it work. Exactly. Of course, you know, my junior year, um, it was really, really rough. And Danny had to come in and relieve me uh, a few, a few games. Uh, but <laughs> you know, it was just that whole deal where he, he he told he held the coaches accountable to it, you know. Like yep. whose whose fault is why is he throwing these interceptions? And so coach coach Rick kind of took the took the fall for it, and uh, but of course I had to take the fall for it as well uh, because <laughs> I had to run those stadium steps. I'm sure. Dan- <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> you probably you probably you probably remember me in there negotiating. Negotiating your step because there were so many. It was five for each interception. Remember that? Yes. Oh my goodness. Why do we have so many for one? And then you get like one bank for a touchdown. I'm like, that that's not a good port uh, ratio. Wow. Wow. Danny, how many did you run? Well, it depends. Like when I was backing them up, I didn't have any because I was just holding the clipboard. But every one of us, you have that game. You know, and a lot of times it was early in your career when you're kind of learning and feeling your way out. And there was a Miami game in Miami. I had three interceptions and a fumble, and it turned out to be like 22 stadiums. (laughs) And literally, I would not have been able to walk for a week if I would have had to do 22. So I think he knocked it down. He's like, all right. Coach Rick was like, I'll run half of them with you and you know we'll do them together and you you do got to do a couple extra push-ups or something else because he wanted to make sure i could practice the next day that's <laughs> wow wow uh miss sue i have this yes, question i'd like to uh get get out okay uh, sure could you please tell us the story behind the punt ruski <laughs> you mean that play i put in there <laughs> <laughs> the genius I, of Miss Sue. I, I, I just, I just want to hear the story behind the punt rooster because, of course, as we all know, Coach Bowden is the one who gets the credit. So I just want to hear the story behind the punt oh, yeah. rooster. Let's hear the, let's hear the truth. Right. <laughs> the truth. <laughs> yeah, I mean they were practicing it all the time. I mean, you know what can I say? And and then he decided just. To pull the punt ruski one day, and he was hauling punt ruski, punt ruski, and the, you could see the look on the other coach's face. You know, are you sure want to do that? But I, I tease him. I, I said, Coach Bowden, you know, I put that play in there, and I said, when they put the camera on you as uh, Butler was running down the field, I said you were surprised as anybody in the stadium that that was going on. But yeah, he, and I've seen him diagram and show that. And I, I was talking to Jim Henry today. I said, Jim Henry, he's up in heaven showing those people up there how to do the punt ruski. And Jim said, yeah, I can see him. He's got all the chairs lined up like the players showing them how to do the punt ruski. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, just God love him. That's for sure. He, he was now, one of a kind. Now I'm trying to remember the punt ruski now all of a sudden. Uh, it was the game against Clemson, 1988. Oh. It was yeah. tied. Well, no, it wasn't tied. They were down. We were down, what, 14-7? Oh, no, it was tied. No, it was tied. Tied? Yes, it was tied. tied? It was fourth and five. I was just watching. It was fourth and five. We were on our own 21-yard line. And it was and late what, in the fourth quarter. what, about two minutes left? Yes, it was like late in the fourth quarter. It was not a lot wow. of time left in the game. And um, he pulled it off, and then I hear someone asked him after the game, like, why did he do it? He said, because somebody had to win. <laughs> <laughs> somebody had to win. That's a great answer. <laughs> uh, so he was but like, hey, if, if it works, room, <laughs> if it works, it works. After that game, and he was showing those reporters how he did that, that was as funny 
you know, the, as the game is said in there stuff. I mean, he was funny showing how, you know, he reached down there and put his hands up under the center and pretend like he was going to get the ball. I mean, he made it fun for sure. Do, do, you, do you guys think that the genius of Coach Bowden is, is, is somehow forgotten a little bit? Like, I think a lot of people don't realize – he was really a savant when it came to this sport. Like it, it before there was ever a Nick Saban and a Dabo and all those guys. There was Coach Bowden, and the fear that he left over college football was significant. <laughs> it was felt Absolutely. all across all across the America. Do you think people are are forgetting that, or or do you think that people still connect to it? But that's a tough question. I, you know, a lot of. Uh, coaches would come and watch what we were doing all the time. I guess Charlie, you and uh, Danny saw many coaches come over the summer and watch our games and listen to our coaches, defense and offense, how we did things. Uh, they carried it back and, you know, uh, used what we were showing them. But it, it's, you know, it's hard to say anymore. The game now is so sophisticated. I'm at a loss as to how they keep up with everything. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I, what, I think what people maybe tend to forget when you talk about legacies and greatest of all time and Nick Saban gets a ton of credit for the championships he's won. And right. now we talk about Dabo Sweeney at Clemson or other coaches, uh, you know, great coaches. But, you know, you look at what they inherited. They inherited programs with rich traditions who you know you come in you have to turn them around when coach Bowden took over Florida State it was a mess like it wasn't that far removed from not having football at all they only had a few wins in the previous four seasons and the the stadium was the mockery of college football I mean like that erector set stadium like people made fun of it we didn't have facilities like they have now these palaces and, and you know incredible locker rooms he had the players that he recruited buy in to something he was building, and, and he built that. So when you think about these other coaches, and they yes, they have a lot of titles, but from where he started and from nothing and built up a dynasty, one of the best dynasties of all time, that to me is what I don't think people realize when you take in the comparison of careers yeah. is what Coach yeah. Brown was dealing with when he took over the program. Danny, you're so right. And people forget that these other programs were playing football 100 years when we started. And that's a big factor right there, too. And like you said, we had nothing. You know, the locker rooms were awful. It's, you know, the facilities were pitiful. But you guys came anyway and you played hard and, and made made winners. I admire all of you. Y'all were along with that grassroots right there building what FSU is today. It's wonderful. I'm looking forward to the new building. Um, I want to just be able to go in and and touch a wall or something. Because <laughs> uh, what we had was uh, what we had. I mean, you know, that's, yes. we thought it was nice. Um, and, we, and they made sure we kept it nice. Because uh, right. our lockers had to be a certain way. And if it wasn't a certain way, we had stadium steps. <laughs> and, uh, man, I have a tough time when I go in now when they got shoulder pads and shoes and everything all over the place after the games. And I'm like, man, where, yeah. <laughs> where, is, where is this discipline, please? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they got managers coming in, putting the shoes away. And I'm like, hold on, man. There's just something wrong. But that's just the way they taught us. Coach Bowden, Coach Amato was the was the enforcer, um, and you know you didn't want to get caught with your uh, with your stuff out of place. That's just how. It, I mean, that's just the way it was. But that part of it taught us a lot about discipline. And yeah, teaching your responsibility, Charlie. Teach your responsibility. Yes, always teaching you guys. Yep. When we when we were advertising today's show, we, we kind of advertised as as respect to the greatest seminal of all time. Do you, do you see him as that? Do I see him as that? Absolutely. All of you. Yeah, all of you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. I would. I think 
I mean, I he, I equate him with the Seminole, like other great players, athletes, you know, kind of started their careers and then went off to something else. It kind yeah. of goes back to Coach Bowden is Florida State football. You know, yeah. he he I equate them the yes. same, and there's not even a comparison for anybody else having contributed as much to the university. Well, you know, it's interesting, it, Danny. I, I thought about it today because, I you know, you, you ask, when, uh, unfortunately, when someone passes, you start the reflection moment and go, man, what was their legacy? What was their – and I thought about it. I said, I don't know if I knew anything Florida State prior to Coach Bowden being there. Like, I didn't know the basketball, the, foot, the baseball. I didn't know anything about Florida State until he got there. And it just – it's something about him being there and what erupted from his his time there into this amazing athletic program, it, it became a it, it just I can think it became contagious. Would you Would you guys agree with that? Absolutely, I agree with it. Uh, you know, before he came there and all the success, you could go all over this country and not see anything for Florida State. After he came there, you could go anywhere and you're going to see Florida State stuff. And if you're wearing i mean i've been across the pond many times if you're wearing seminole clothes people will stalk you and ask you about bobby bowden so wow. it's uh yeah it's wow it's what he did and then and then you saw our merchandise in every store everywhere before that you never saw it seminole stuff in stores uh, yeah wow. i'm mad at coach though you know why because he made it one of the most desirable universities in the country. And now I have kids and it's going to be hard for them to get into the school because it used to not be that hard to get into. And now it's one of the best programs. And it, I'm not joking about this. No, that's real. You no, build it's almost up, impossible to get in. Yeah. No, but you build up a football powerhouse the way that he did. And people want to go be a part of that. They want to go to school where they can yes, root for a football. Think about the marching chiefs. The marching chiefs would have never existed if it wasn't for this and had the success and kind of relevancy that, that, that they've had exactly. without Coach Bowden. Wow. I agree. He loved the marching chiefs and he gave them a lot of publicity and, you know, and, you know, they loved him. It's great. So you're right, Danny. Mister, um, I, I, I like to ask this question because I know uh, Coach Bowden's faith was uh paramount in his life in his life and yes. um being at a state university um i know there was some pushback and some struggle could you just fill us in on how coach dealt with that because i know you were probably on the front lines you know with being a sounding board in some form or fashion uh when all the letters came in and probably lawyers uh from you know the different organizations protesting about church and state separation yeah. and those types of things. Um, I'm just coast coast didn't care. I know because we kept going to churches. He kept taking us to church and two churches every, every year. Um, and he just dealt with it because he felt like that was the right thing to do for the kids. But could you just, yeah. you know, shed some light on, you know, kind of what he kind of went through um, when, the, when the people, was calling for him. You know, Charlie, it wasn't as bad as it is now, probably because of, you know, Twitter, Facebook, the news outlets and all that, that people are aware of what coaches are doing so much. It, You know, they didn't notice that he was doing so much of the religious stuff, I don't believe. Now, uh, he went to speak to the Mormon church one time and you think we didn't get the ugly letters and nasty phone calls. Well, I did. I protected him from all that. But <laughs> we talked about it one day and he said, Sue, you know, I go speak at all kinds of faith, faith, uh, you know, Jewish, Greek, I mean, Catholic. And he said, when they pray, he said, I just close my eyes and say my own prayer. He said, why can't people do that? Why do they so much worry about all this stuff? I mean, he questioned that. Why would you question somebody else's religion? Wow. But it wasn't really. He didn't get it as bad as some, you know, like what was the Air Force coach that got called out for yeah. being a Christian coach. 
and that's kind of when that really started flaring up. But he did get ugly letters about, you know, but always, you know, he took all you guys to church and he would always write the families and tell them, I am taking your son to church if, you know, one time. And then he knows their churches are there and they're welcome. After that, if they want to go, he said, it is not mandatory. If you do not want your child to go to church, let us know. All the years, the 24 years I was there, only had we only had one parent said, no, I do not want my son to go. That speaks mm -hmm. volumes also when you think about it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. When yeah, so. Uh, I I'm blown away by these stories. Yeah, no, I'm I'm blown away by these stories. I think I think uh, uh, we all get the picture of the coach, and and not always enough picture of the totality of the man. So I have to ask this question uh, to Danny. Danny, will you be auditioning? For the role of Coach Bowden when the movie time comes out, because clearly, clearly there's going to be a movie at some point, and that you you seem like you got a good beat on it. There has to be. I um, I think I'm too tall to play the role. Oh, no. <laughs> but I'm not good looking enough. I'm not good looking enough. <laughs> now Miss Sue can play herself. She'll be. She'll That's be right. Good. That's right. We, we yeah. won't change the bit. Yeah, change the bit. That's yeah, right. That's but but in 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 line of that, I think this story for sure needs to be told more, especially in the climate that we're in now. Because I think it's it's remarkable to hear you guys talk about. Here's this guy who's willing to stand in the midst of of the of the the, the craziness that is NCAA football and say, yeah, that's fine. We're going to be a good football team, whatever. But if I can get these guys to be great men, I've done something. That's that's pretty unique yeah. to me. You know what it is and what thrills me about how he did all that, when we have reunions and you guys, Charlie and Dan, when y'all come back for these reunions and I talk to the guys, it warms my heart to know how many of you are preachers football coaches that are doing what Coach Bob did, helping young men be better men. And you know how y'all just keep growing in your own faith. That warms my heart like you wouldn't believe. So something good does come out of football, and especially when you've got a coach that cares about his players and mm -hmm. wants to help them through life. And you could see that every day instead of bringing you all in and then when he's through with you you know he doesn't really care about you but wow. uh, that's not about very caring and loving yeah. he you know the best for his kids I was thinking today of kind of how to visualize and, and paint a picture to people of how like the magnitude of Coach Bowden's career and we hear the term your coaching tree a lot of times there's a Bill Belichick coaching tree and all these assistant coaches who have been under him and they, they judge it by how well those coaches have done. Now, Coach Bowden clearly has a great coaching tree. But on yes. him, as, like, as this tree over all of like the players and coaches, and basically what he was planting off of this tree, he was planting seeds and it became a forest mm. of lives that he touched that are guys like Charlie that go on to do incredible things and have an incredible testimony of their own. Guys like Charlie's roommate, Warwick Dunn, who has done unbelievable things. Yeah. And those those are just the bigger, more famous names. There are so I many know. other players who may not be household names, but they are making a difference in their community. And it's because of those Absolutely. seeds that Bobby Bowden planted while they were on his watch in Tallahassee. And it is remarkable. So I think of it like this massive forest that's grown up and sprouted because of what Coach Bowden was was really feeding his players for their time there. Wow, that's a great way to explain it. Yeah. Nice. I like that analysis, Danny. That's yeah. great. Yeah, and you're exactly right. All those seeds he planted and what, you know, it's just like a Bobby Butler, an ordained minister now. I mean, you know, it's like say some of these guys, it just warms your heart to listen to it. And I look at them like, hey, all my kids are coming back. Look what they've done. And I'm as proud of them as, you know, 
as I can be like I was their mom. So yeah, it's it's just has been a great experience and a great ride for me also to be involved in this program. Uh, Ms. Sue, I, 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 I know I'm going to plug the, the Bowden Dynasty. Uh, it's a great documentary on Coach Bowden. Um, if you hadn't seen it, yes. I'm sure you can look it up and order it or find it online somewhere to watch it. But it's a great uh, documentary on Coach. And um, I was just, I'm just curious to know, um, there was a, we all have choices in life. And sometimes right. we choose and it's great, turns out to be great. And sometimes we choose and it, it falters, you know, before our feet. Uh, but Coach uh, and Miss Ann had a choice. Um, they were thinking about going back to Alabama to coach. Correct. And I wanted to know if you, if you, if, if they let you in on it or, 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 or did you have any say so in that matter? Um, of helping them choose to stay in Tallahassee? You know, yes, yes and no, Charlie. Coach Bowden called me and he said, Sue, my husband was named Charlie also. He said, you mm -hmm. and Charlie get ready to move to Tuscaloosa. So, uh, uh, where is Alabama? Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. Yeah, no, that's right. That's yeah, right. thank you. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, he said, I think I'm going to be offered the job. And he said, you know, I've always wanted to go back to Alabama, which I knew that. I mean, he talked about that. You couldn't blame him. I mean, look at the program. And then he called me the next day and he said, I'm coming back to Florida State. He said, I go in that meeting. I mean, you know, I figured the president was going to offer me the job. And he said, here all these guys that I'm supposed to interview for the job? He said, you know, I feel like I've earned, if you want to hire me, hire me. You don't uh, interview for me for the job. And that's what, you know, the people in Alabama were so mad at that president that he really, I mean, they like to run him out on a rail, but he, uh, <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of people very upset that called and was really upset about them not offering Coach Bowden the job, saying we're going to interview and interview other people. And so he and Ann got in the car and came back home, and that was wow. the end of that. So but that was yeah, that was pretty yeah, close. Kind of in on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So fun times. Wow! Wow! Yeah. So this is is this right before Nick or I mean or or right around the same time? Oh no, it was long before Nick. Long before Nick, okay. It was during um right guys. I mean yes, it was during it was during our time. Really? So yeah. So so there may there there may not have been a Nick if 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 if, if that goes through. Wow. How about that? That's true. But wow. weren't we lucky he came back to Florida State and made us? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. He built his own program. Yeah. Yes. He built the Bear Bryant. He was the Bear Bryant of Florida State. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. For you sure. know it. Yes. What, what's the one there. lesson that you're teaching your players or family and kids uh, or friends? What's the one lesson or the one Bible lesson that Coach Bowden gave you that you're still teaching to this day? Well, he's he he when he'd sign pictures, people say tell him to put his Bible verse. He would put John three sixteen on there all the time, and that's what. But uh, now I'm uh, like in Matthew five eight. So all the guys that listen to this and gal, pull out your Bibles and look. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. What about you, Danny? I would echo. I I think. Clearly, you know, the, the the gospel message is the one thing that reigns true. But I'm a Christian. Right. So I don't. So I respond. I didn't like I was already a Christian. When I went to Florida State. So he helped me build up my faith so much to a point where I want to teach my daughters the gospel. But not only that. And this is one where I'm nowhere near the standard that Coach Bowden set, but live the gospel and live up to the standard and be obedient and be 
a class individual who treats everybody with kindness and everybody the same way with a massive amount of respect and kindness and really just show people God's love from the way you treat them every single day. And that's why I try to kind of apply that to my own life and to my daughters. And it's that same faith, family, and whatever else you it is. If it's football, but if it's not football, if it's another sport, if it's an occupation, but have that faith first, then your family, and then the rest. And that's what I've, that's exactly really ingrained deeply in me because of coach. Awesome. Awesome. What about you, Charlie? Uh, well, just like I echo all both both of them. Um, you know, I, I also do the scripture at the end of my uh, signature, and also, you know, just trying to be a, a living example of the gospel. Uh, very similar to what Coach Bowden did. Um, I'm a big proponent for investing in people, uh, whether it's the coaches, the players. Um, I want to make sure that they have the same experiences that God blessed me with um, as well. And so, you know, if they need something, we, we work to try to make it happen. Um, and I know that's something that Coach Bowden, you know, we needed something. He worked to try to make sure we got it and we, 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 uh, we had it. So, you know, I just and the last thing I can appreciate is, you know, us being able to grow up knowing each coach's family. Uh, you know, our fa our family nights uh, for dinner, um, just growing up with a lot of the coaches' kids um, was, was, was a great blessing because as we all grew up, now, you know, we kind of know each other. Um, and they remember us as players, we remember them as coaches, uh, uh, kids, and uh, uh, sons and daughters. And But it was... You know, it was just a great blessing to be able to see uh, the families come together. And it was every every Wednesday night. I know every Wednesday night um, it was family night. And it was just a great blessing to see each family uh, each and every night. Wow. Well, you know, Charlie, um, even talking about Coach Bob's religion and how people think of him, the number of phone calls we would get asking telling their parents son kid etc were fixed to die and they wanted coach Bowden to talk to him and he used to say you know sue that's a hard phone call but he would make it and talk to him before they died and somehow god would tell him what to say and he was okay with it but one lady wanted a picture of coach Bowden said her husband was dying and that he was in the hospital and we did a picture with John 316 and gave it to him and she said the whole time he was in the hospital the first time he smiled is when they gave him that picture of coach Bowden with that verse and she said they actually put the picture in the coffin with him when he did pass a few days later so what a tremendous effect he has on people but one time, Burt Reynolds was having a really rough time in his life, you know, I mean, really rough. And he called me one day and he said, Sue, I need you to get Coach Bowden to pray for me. And I said, now, why is that, Burt? And he said, well, I really need prayers. And he said, God will listen to him and he won't listen to me. <laughs> that wasn't funny, but I tell you, I had to laugh. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. Was, he, and y'all all know that Coach Bed went down with, and I was with him, and I know this happened on Bert's 80th birthday. We went down to his 80th birthday party, and he wanted quiet time with him, and, and he wanted me and him to lead Bert to Christ because he was mm -hmm. worried about Bert's salvation because he knew that Bert was struggling with life. And, you know, he, he turned that man's life around even I, which I think allowed Burke to be able to make that last movie that he did because I don't think he ever would without I could see it in Burke's eyes. You know, I saw him two or three months later after Coach Bowden did turn it. You could just see it in his eyes that the man was a changed man, and uh, that meant more to me than a lot of things knowing what Coach Bowden will can do for people and how they believe in him. That's that was quite powerful. I'm telling you. So anyway. well, well, I'll tell you this. I, you know, I've only known the coach from a distance, 
Uh, and as a fan of college football, I've always loved the coach. But tonight has convinced me that I missed out on getting to know the man. And the man sounds way better than the coach. I got to tell you, <laughs> the, the, the man sounds incredible. I got to do this for Miss Sue because she's dropped this hot take on us all night long. <laughs> uh, Matthew 5 and 8 uh, is blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Because some people might not go get their Bible. So, I'm, so I'll, I'll just go ahead and drop the hint for you all <laughs> so that you'll know exactly. Yeah, I'll go ahead and drop it out so everybody knows what it is. But man, we're, we man, we appreciate it. you guys so much. This has been incredible. I pray and hope that um, all of these conversations, all of the interviews over the next few days, uh, really truly helps to bring a uh, just some comfort to the FSU family. Uh, I know this is this is huge. This is tough. This is a, a moment in, in unlike anything you guys have ever had before. Uh, but but as a family, it sounds like he had uh, Coach Bowden and 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 the good Lord up above has prepared you well for this moment. So uh, I think y'all are going to be all right. But you guys got any parting words uh, that you want to share with I, anybody? I thank you, Lamar. And of course, Charlie Ward knows I love him dearly and his family. And then Connell, it's wonderful to see you. And I remember your last visit with Coach, and I was so glad to see you there. And he, you know, you brightened his life for at a bad time in his his life. So thank you for what you contribute to everything. You're a one of a kind too, Danny, and I love you too, honey. Thank you, Miss Sue. You're the best. And <laughs> I love it. It warms my heart. But I think in today. And I know Charlie's probably done a bunch of interviews and you may be listening. You might've heard a bunch of interviews, but yes. if you notice the, if you notice the consistency of messaging, it was yes. all about his faith. And that's the thing. What a legacy. It is amazing. And that's why, you know, it's sad because we lost him here, but man, it was fitting that he went on the Lord's day and they needed special, you know, they needed a big yeah. blowout party for the angels that are singing and it is really an incredible life that was well lived. Charlie, yes. you got a final word. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, um, I mean, is that is, that was his life mission. Um, whenever you hear like a lot of the interviews, um, as Miss Sue's already alluded to, you know, his whole goal and mission was for people to come to know Jesus Christ. And right. that was his player. Exactly. That was the people he talked to on on a daily basis, the people he knew. And uh, that was his goal. He said if he didn't win any games, but people were better people because of him coaching them, then he felt like that was a great success. Wow. And and so, you know, when you have that mindset, and I'm I'm just I'm a true believer that, you know, when when you have humility. When there's humility in your life, God definitely honors and honors you, your humility. And, um, you know, it's no coincidence that he built something and he was able to win two championships. And even if he didn't win two championships, he still would be a legendary coach. I uh, know in my eyes and yes. a lot of other people's eyes because of the way he treated them uh, and the impact that he made on all of us. Wow. Amen to that Charlie. <laughs> amen to that yeah well listen i i think this has been incredible thank you guys for coming tonight and uh again bringing just a measure of comfort to so many uh that will uh listen to this podcast or go back and watch this on the web series on facebook and on youtube and uh we appreciate you guys so much for coming through and uh charlie and hey, listen i um I, I guess I'll be getting my Florida State gear at some point, Charlie. I have to rep Coach Bowden now. I mean, geez, but you know, I just you know what I need now? I need an FSU shirt that has Matthew five and eight on the back, and I think I'll be I'll go. be solidified now. So there you go. Thank you guys for coming. Thank You've been listening. For having to, me. Not a problem. This is Believe in the ACC. That's I. Uh, that's Charlie Ward. That's Danny Cannell. That's the, the uh, incomparable Miss Sue. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Okay. Thank you, dear.
You've been listening to Believe in the ACC with Charlie Ward, Lloyd Spence, and Kendrick Haskins. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share from the Noisemakers page on Facebook and on YouTube. And you can also listen to us on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and wherever podcasts can be heard. And join us next time on Believe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.